0: My name is Anthony Cappazzoli and this is the Dismantled Life Podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. No matter how bad it gets, just know that you can and will recover. It takes work. It takes hard work. Each week, we talk in detail about what it takes to make it, what it takes to beat your addictions. I am a recovering addict from alcohol cocaine and nicotine. My addiction started in eighth grade. I am now 50. I had over 40 years of very bad habits to break. I hit rock bottom hard. More than once, I nearly died. I would have left my wife and two young children behind. I've been clean and sober for nearly three years. I completely dismantled my entire life and rebuilt it from the ground up. I believe to make it in recovery, it takes a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach. It takes a positive mindset. It takes hard work. It takes a village. Join me weekly to learn from my sober superhero guests on the Dismantle Life podcast. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Check me out at dismantle.life. Email me at anthony at dismantle.life anytime. Please be sure to leave a rating and review anywhere you listen to your podcasts and let me know if you want to be on the show. Happy Recovery.
1: Uh, I'm pretty good, man. I'm on, I'm on uh day two of a caffeine detox, man. Ooh. I don't I don't know how long it's gonna last, but I'll tell you what. Um, I, I totally understand how somebody could could just say fuck it. I'm not gonna get off drugs, man. Like I'm gonna <laughs> just just stay this way. Cause I mean, it, like you get it. Like 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 oh, I yeah. know I'm going to feel better, and well, I hope anyhow. Right. Uh, but it but that's short. B- b- period of pain is just unpleasant. Now, like yesterday, man, I went to bed. I think I went to bed at like eight o'clock. Maybe maybe it was like a little later, but it wasn't later than nine. I know that for for reasons. And and I woke up at eight this morning and I was like wow that's cool. Like yeah I, because my sleep uh, apparently had been disrupted for, for so long. And and I, I don't know that and hopefully this this can just continue. I mean that's really the best part is the sleep is important. No
0: question. I mean, sleep is, I think one of the most underrated values that I, first of all, that I gained in recovery. And I think that everyone gains, and it's one of the pleasant things that they realize, because I I know my story is episode one of the Dismantled Life podcast here that we're doing today. And I was, um, you know, rampaging alcoholic and a cocaine addict. So my sleep was non-existent. And if it did exist, it was in (laughs) small bites and now that I can get um, almost unbroken sleep for a solid eight hours, like the amount of energy I have is unbelievable. And then coffee for me, I, I I've limited myself because I started to replace my cocaine addiction. This is with exactly. Coffee. Yeah. That's
1: exactly what happened. You start replacing it. And, and I've been, I've been on this now for years. And then one that will will really spur in this change, uh, or at least to give this a try, as I decided that I'm, I'm going to try and like lose fat and slim down even more. And, I, and I'm not in bad shape at all. I just want to get a little more cut up. Sure. And I, and I realized something, two things, actually, most notably uh, that that don't really have an explanation. The first, is the year ago this time, and I didn't realize this. Until I looked the year ago this time, I was like two twenty seven, two twenty six, and now I'm like, you know, waking up at two thirty five, two thirty six. I'm like, okay, that'll make sense. Um, right. And also, despite being in a caloric deficit, uh, nothing's nothing's changing it. And I've I've got really in depth blood work, and all the in depth blood work actually indicates that my body is under extreme stress, and there's no reason for that give them my lifestyle and and just my overall mood and demeanor and so pretty sure it's because i'm i'm killing myself with coffee right i mean like not and not just coffee but like uh i'm a big i have a cans of diet soda here at the house because to me that's better than not drinking regular soda which it is um but it's still got the caffeine yeah yeah and it i brought does. up that i brought up that first point about the getting away way because what happens when your body is, is super stressed is it's gonna gonna hold on to everything it's not gonna gonna burn and function properly so my hypothesis that i am testing is that is it what's really going on is that i am i'm just my adrenal glands are all jacked from and there are a lot of other symptoms too when i was reading about this and i said okay this looks like it looks like what could be going on. So let's 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 try this out, see what's happening. And I'm excited about put the potential uh, changes to go on.
0: I think you're spot on personally. I mean, I, I went through the same thing and I know that there are physical, mental and emotional withdrawals from caffeine and people don't realize it, it is like cigarettes or alcohol caffeine is socially accepted it's a it's something that you welcome people into your home with very often and so and it's something we all start our days with whatever it might be and for me i had to go from what was chaotic caffeine consumption espresso italian espresso yeah this
1: sounds about right yep (laughs)
0: yeah to i now have two coffees in the morning with water so americano style and then I have one afternoon, like right before lunch espresso, and then one middle of the afternoon espresso, and then done for the day. To most listeners, that might be a lot still, but from what I went from to four is a substantial. I'll, I'll tell
1: you what, here's how you know I got problems with this shit, man. Like that <laughs> doesn't sound like a lot. That sounds like a light day to me. Uh, so, so, and now imagine that, but that's how I've been doing. It. That's how I've been rolling for the past, how long I've been sober now? Hot uh, it's it's top and roll for the past yeah, yeah. almost the past eight years, yeah. so so yeah. Let's and then we're not even going to count. You know now, now here's what's interesting. I, I will say this: we when we were living in Europe, Europe is a little different. Uh, we were living in Portugal specifically, and and at least in Portugal there is not really this concept of to go coffee. Right, you sit down and you drink it. <laughs> Same in Italy, yeah. And you get up, and you but nobody's walking around with cups of coffees and thermoses. And you know, there's the drop throughs are non-existent. That's not even a thing yet, <laughs> You're right? And so, and and on top of that, the coffee was so good out. We didn't really want to make it at the house because you know, wow. well, and and it took more effort too. Absolutely. So like we'd still sure, do it, but, sure. but 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 not nearly as much. And I slept. Not only did I sleep so much better there. I am um, my weight naturally reset itself almost 10 pounds lighter than what it was at. I was walking around naturally at like 215, 220. I hadn't been that light since I fought. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that's that's great. So, so just looking back at these things now, and I actually had not made that connection until we have this conversation, uh, that that I think there is something about heavy consumption, and once again, once again, because we are the land of excess, and and Europe is kind of the the land of, of recess. They um they figure out kind of a better way to live <laughs> yeah. naturally. And- I agree with that.
0: hundred percent agree with that. I, I I think the Italian, the the Portuguese, the French, uh, any European lifestyle, I believe, is naturally more prone to health because no, the food's better it's they don't eat a lot of fast food they walk almost everywhere it's much better kind of a day-to-day lifestyle uh, it's got its challenges like anything because of the the excessive smoking it's ridiculous yeah yeah,
1: yeah that, that blew my mind man <laughs> i was um funny funny like experience i, I the first time i was overseas ever it was we went to Paris for Christmas in 2016. And, and I was like, man, something doesn't seem like you ever just like be looking around. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and I'm like, it's not it's not the fact that we're in Europe. What is it? Right. And it was it was two things. One I was conscious of. The other was like, whoa, blew my mind. So first, the thing uh, that I was conscious of. Uh, everybody smoked, man. like Everybody uh, it wasn't, you know, like the girls smoking. It was like not unattractive girls, and I was like, "Wow, that's good." Because here, you know, you see people smoking, them and they look like like a Walmart family, man. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I would, and then the second thing, there was like no fat people, and you no, don't realize, <laughs> this not is just, at all. You don't realize how used you are to seeing it yes. until you don't see it. Absolutely. And I was like, "Oh, this is crazy." And I went and looked it up. The stat, I guess, in in, in France. Only 38% of the population qualifies as uh, what we consider obese and overweight. That's insane because in America, it's like almost, it's almost 80%. It's like 78 yeah. point some decimal and, or some number. And that is a really big difference on I, I follow this guy, Aaron Clary, and he, he, he talks a lot about like economics mm-hmm. and but he's, he's funny and he talks about why he's. Finally, thinking about relocating out of the U.S., and he's been completely out of cities. He like lives in South Dakota, or whatever. But now he's going to leave the U.S., and he gives a bunch of reasons. And one of the reasons he goes is because you're all just so ugly. Like you ever just look around at, 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 the, at the, <laughs> the, the diner or the, the grocery store, you're all just so fat and ugly, and you dress and you're proud of it. <laughs> and and. And it, it really stands out. You go, you go to a place not even European, like like where I spent a lot of time. Somehow we, we end up going to freaking uh, Colombia, or I when I've gone to Colombia, the same deal. Uh, very no much. Now Mexico is different uh, because <laughs> there's a heavy American influence over Mexico. I believe Mexico is actually the second fattest country in the world. Um, it
0: well, and first of all, I, I love Mexican food, so I, I can't blame delicious. That. Yeah, but they call what you're talking about the French paradox with the quality. First of all, the amount of butter that is consumed in the daily French diet is so much different than than people. And it's not bad. People somehow assume, assume it's bad, but it's it's not. And, it, and the quality of the food and the richness of the food, but it's the pace of the food. Rather, it's the pace in which they eat. They space out their meals. They don't, what I call, uh, they're not... Always snacking, like they are in the US, and everyone's always got snack. Snack, my kids. I have to I'm trying to break that habit <laughs> of always grabbing a bag of this or a bag of that. So it's it's a combination of all of those things, and I think quality versus quantity is a big thing in the European lifestyle. The French paradox. I even throw, they don't call it this, but the Italian paradox is the same thing: all those pastas and heavier foods and breads and yep. things. But they eat all that and don't gain weight because they live outside. It's controlled volume. They don't have like they don't in Italy. They would be shocked at the volume of food that is served
1: in a restaurant when you go out to eat here. They're like, "What? Why do you?" you Oh, you 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 got to get used to it when you go when you go somewhere else. And you're like, Where's the food at? Where's the serving?" It's like, okay, that's the large. And you know, one of those things I got used to and figure it out. But but it's good for you. It's it's so good for you. Yeah. And and how we live in in the United States is fundamentally unhealthy. It I'm really not, is. I'm not saying that that, that America is the worst place. I'm not that guy. I think I think there's a lot yeah. of great things about this country. Absolutely. But but one of diet them, is like, not right? one of them. <laughs> yeah, diet and and lifestyle even is not not one of them. Like like even this whole revolution now. Uh, about working from home and in and the, and the distance and the remote work, which really, really rushed it in, uh, that's not really going to change much because people are still because now what people are going to learn is that they never learned how to actually socialize and make real friends. Work was was their socialization. They're going to realize yeah. that because because I recognized it uh, when I stopped drinking. I've realized that most people don't know how to make friends outside of bar happy hours, and that those aren't really your friends as yeah. a drink with. You just your, your commonality is time and place. It's no different really than school. Your commonality is you happen to be forced together in this building for a certain number of hours. The only difference between school and a bar is you can you, you it's kind of voluntary to come to the bar, but, you yeah. know I don't know if that's better or worse, but it is that's just another condition of it but uh, imagine imagine you know you're you're a typical american you go to school at 18 you go to college and for those four years you are forced into many different social environments and you think you and you have this vibrant social life and you realize when you turn 23 and you move someplace else you don't know anything about making friends right you don't you don't know anything but what you do know is you know the bar you know the drinking scene and i think this largely contributes to uh, any uh, to a lot of people's alcoholism, the the um, the unhealthy bond they make to socialization and the good feelings and the booze, right? I know that happened to me, and fortunately, I had an experience that, that led me to recognize it. But you you take that and then you put it, uh, and then time marches on. But 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 you realize, okay, I, I go to work and I talk to people at work. That's cool. Well, now yeah you're not even doing that so so i i think and and this is really bad um i think really bad with our, our um i guess younger millennial older gen z crowd right i'm now i'm now i'm officially but a geriatric millennial which is crazy to me that that's even I, you know, I, I didn't make that phrase up, man. I read that I think a New York Times article. Man, they referred yeah. to this as geriatric millennials. I'm like, God damn, man! I'm 36. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, like I'm not geriatric. Oh,
1: yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I guess that's a that's a thing, and there's a whole yeah. set of memes, and you look at them and go, Yeah, I got that. I remember that. Wow, you guys are right. I don't like the phrasing, but what's to describing is correct. Two things I'd love to
0: cover is your relationship with alcohol or uh, addiction and your recovery, because you've been sober since 2013. Mm-hmm. I'd love to dive into that. Um, no Gladiator School stuff. It's not what this podcast is about. It really is about the genesis of the process, but much like you described. What? When did you wake up and realize, Like, what was life like pre-addiction? What was life like when you were in addiction, like full throttle, and, and I, that is not a technical term except to say that when you realize, oh shit, I, I have a problem. And then the was there some about it? Yeah. Like, was there a moment when you had a, I call it on the show, the everything in nothing moment? Some people, it is a nothing moment where they just say, I am done. Others, like me, hit rock bottom very, very hard five, six, eight times. Um, so I'm curious about that. And then what life is like after. And then I have to thread in boxing. Massive boxing fan, and I I I box, and I love it.
1: Never oh no, been, kidding! I, I just I realized when you got the title boxing hat on, man. That's yeah, excellent.
0: yeah, absolutely. And I I, I wasn't going
1: to say nothing about it, but since you brought it up, yeah, that's uh, that's cool, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I it is my. It, in fact, boxing is what saved my life in recovery, because um, without it, I wouldn't. I I latched on to boxing as a step in my recovery because I gave up all the alcohol and the drugs. And I, you know, I went through the recovery process and I just started working out. And this is your episode, not mine, but I would every morning I'd go at 530 to the boxing, the title boxing gym by the house. And I would work out five days a week, Monday through Friday. Then on the weekends, I'd go at the, like the 7 a.m. And it saved my life and it gave me purpose and I hit the mitts. We hit the bags. We hit all that stuff. The only thing I didn't do is get punched in the face. Like I never went in the ring. I was gonna man. say,
1: did you take a fight? No, I, I never
0: took fights because you know I'm, I started that you know in, in like late forties, and I I just didn't think getting knocked out would do me any good, man.
1: So, yeah, you know what? I was just telling somebody right before I got on this call with you, man. Boxing is is, is a young person's game. It's stupid. because it's stupid, so you got to be you got to be stupid, you're stupid when you're young. <laughs> Absolutely, you gotta but have. Do- nothing you gotta have nothing to gain nothing, <laughs> nothing to, lose. to lose i guess
0: but dude the, the i love the i love the ability the the mental the emotional control of you know the timing and i i love the whole process of it i love the whole workout i love the dedication of it and i love how the great boxers get are great because they train to be great like there's no one that's naturally gifted i don't believe.
1: right no no i mean and and if they are they're still not you 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 get waxed by somebody. I, I fight guys that are like that are like legitimate Division One level athletes, and many of them actually because because of a program I was part of and got recruited into. And I'll tell you that doesn't matter. It did like like athleticism helps, but it's not until you develop some skill right. with that, and you and not just the skill, but kind of the um the mental fortitude temperament. To, to be in there and and stare down punches, because that's a very unnatural thing. But it's something we all have to learn how to do, which is when somebody makes a move at you, you can't blink and react to it. You got to stare it down. And, and that's not natural. Right. That, that goes against every survival instinct that's been bred into a human, getting the ring, standing in front of somebody trying to kill you. And and when they make a move to kill you, just look at it right no right. that's that's not that's not how we were we evolved that's not how we survive so to get control of that that does tremendous um this tremendous uh things for for your your temperament outside the ring i call it turning down the noise you get like nothing oh, really to put nothing really bugs you absolutely i I, rare love,
0: rare. I love the time i i love the The strategy of boxing, most wins come from combinations and in the strategy of the movement, like the ring IQ and the strategy there. Like tough guys don't do well in boxing because you, you, it's not just about taking a punch; it's about giving the right. The the strategy in the ring is my favorite thing, and that's why, like, I love. People can say whatever they want about the great Floyd Mayweather Jr. being a boring fighter in his older career, but
1: I didn't think he was boring at all, dude. Oh my
0: god, like he is legitimately. The most exciting fighter from in Canelo, obviously, I love, too, because of he's now he's the new.
1: Yeah. You know, it's for my you'll get this and we don't want to, like, turn us into a boxing podcast. <laughs> but but I was explaining to somebody they they were like they, they asked, like, the, you know, do, do boxers like do they all like level out at some point? And I was like, generally speaking, yes. You're getting to witness, real time one of the few fighters I think I've, that I've ever seen li- like get better every fight. I think that there, there's only been a few. Yeah. Um I I thought, and t- as long as he was not dealing with his his outside the ring tendencies and issues, I thought Roberto Duran kept getting better, he kept yeah. looking because he started with such a high iq in a different place in the ring which and he was a tough guy but but by the time he fought leonard he was like he had like 60 some fights yeah, dude, but but i thought i thought i thought he had a lot of other him i thought mayweather was another fighter Absolutely. that just kept getting better and learning and you're watching canelo and it's really scary how, how like how good he is someone someone did this uh when, when he, for he and the kid plant uh press conference, they they show, you know, the whole interaction where they get rowdy, and and he, he like, pushed yeah and, and, then, moved. and then yeah. he went, and then Caleb went slapped, and someone broke it down. Canelo legitimately dropped the right foot back and rolled his cheek with it, and then came back and looked him right at him, and I'm like, <laughs> people don't understand, like, like, you don't realize how dangerous that is, and, like, he, I mean, Caleb, oh, Caleb, plans get chopped alive i wouldn't because whenever there's a new guy that shows up and i'm not really familiar i go look at their fights and i see okay what do you know and i'm like Canelo's probably going to stop you uh but <laughs> but it's gonna be a good fight but there's going back
0: in some boxers that everybody knows and in just the magic of their first of all their integrity to get in the ring put their chin out there and stare like you said the opponent down but the art of it, like Floyd Mayweather, his ability to not get punched is, I think, and people can say whatever they want, I think better than anybody in the history of boxing.
1: Well, mathematically, it is. I actually wrote about this on an article on my site. The, the average uh, hit percentage against him is 16%. What? That's one, Holy cow. That's amazing. To put that in perspective, that's one in every eight punches thrown at him landed. So that's. Oh my god! I didn't even realize it was that good. Holy is, cow! There's a there's a great article. Um, not not my article, but the, where I get that piece of information from to just prove a point about the training and how hard it is.
0: Yeah, it, it, dude. I mean, it's amazing. But I I love to you know thread the boxing into our conversation because it did save my life. Like, I, not I didn't go professional like you, but I loved the workouts. I love the integrity of the workouts. I love that my coaches would say, no, listen, you hit the bag well, but your foot was out of place. And little tiny, tiny adjustments gave me the impetus to keep using that as my motivation for recovery, that it's the tiny little things that matter, the the choices that you make in the moment, um, which is what I love most about, uh, about boxing. It's 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 great. So I, I'm so excited to have you on the show as a professional boxer uh, oh, and in recovery, man. I think it it's great. I, I, so with your recovery story, if we could just dive into that and maybe tell us a little bit about wherever you think we should start. And again, no gladiator school. I don't ask questions about how much you did this or that. I don't care about that. I do care about what life was like for you personally, like what got you into the addiction and then how did you get out of it? What was what was your what was your poison mine was alcohol and cocaine and cigarettes it
1: was alcohol man I was it was a big boozer man that was my, yeah. my bigger issue and and the crazy thing man I, the thing about alcohol unlike coke right um is is alcohol is is so accepted yeah and not only is it accepted it <laughs> is one of if not the only things that is, accepted to excess like like very rarely whenever whenever alcohol drinking is per, whenever it's portrayed, is it is it portrayed just like people are just having a good time? Unless they're trying to sell it. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting. That, you know, fun fact that I that I picked up one time and I just tell everyone some people already know some people don't. They actually are not allowed to show people consuming alcohol right. or ads. And so you and once you get that, you start looking all these ads like these motherfuckers aren't drinking any of this. <laughs> Just, just partying on the beach, yeah. yeah. They're just partying, and, and then and then a Jose shows up, and I'm like, <laughs> right. nobody's drinking. Like, like this could have been anything. It could have been like uh, <laughs> gummy <bears. laughs> Armani, yeah, would, gummy bears, anything. You like, would never know. You're right. That's and absolutely not, right. We're, we're, yeah, that's um. But I do say that because, like in the media, they they're not uh they're not beholden to such limitations, and a lot of times you get you see uh, this this. This culture that springs up about drinking excess and and that becomes like, what what makes a good party? I mean, when I was in my 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 early twenties, I mean, a lot they bound up with two things that made a good party: the girls, they were going to be there. How how many girls coming through, right? Yeah, And, and you know how much alcohol you got, what you got to drink, and it's that's crazy to me, right? Because it was now everything is about connecting with people, and that's how how I had to make it, and that really helped me with my sobriety, but. I think I think when I was drinking and I never I'm 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 never the one to blame external circumstances because at the end of the day not everybody ended up with my issues and they were all in the same environment but but I think it's foolish to not uh consider that kids grow up thinking that this is kind of normal and yeah. and it is anything but that and your is. body is gonna remind you of it you know sooner and later and you know you make a mistake or or do something crazy under the influence. So yeah, my, my issue was, was alcohol, man. I was um I started I, I suppose we'll say I started with like the like the uh bench kind of method. Like yeah. when I was when I go out to a party, I was the guy I had to drink the hardest and drink the most. There was no like one, no limit man like yeah. it's just it. drink, yeah. drink till you can't go and i'm like oh you can't keep up you gotta you know that's how it turns into the competition you gotta keep up gotta keep up gotta catch up right and then uh after a few years of that it turns into uh not just the weekend all right it's not yeah. just friday saturday it's it's finding a Tuesday night nice spot, finding a Thursday night nice spot. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. Or and, even
0: not to interrupt, but uh, I lying it kind of leaning into what you said about it being socially and, and almost gratefully accepted this five o'clock somewhere bullshit. Yup. Or,
1: oh, man, I was get, when we were we were coming to that. man. Yeah.
0: And then, <laughs> and then when you when you think about I, I have kids, I would go to family parties or kids birthday parties. There would be more alcohol than gifts right it, was, it's, it's unbelievable
1: and then yeah then you move into then then I moved into the kind of the day the, drinking thing because at first they kind of when you're coming up it's like oh man you're an alcoholic if you drink during the day and then like right. it, it <laughs> turns into the cool thing to do so you start so I started i mean i actually and this is right around the time where i knew you know some shit had to change um I was like modifying my practice schedules to like make sure I could go drink at the, the the happy hour spots at five o'clock with my people. Cause there was this place we used to drink at, it was called Garage Door. Uh down down in a college campus where I would sit at and they had this stoop where you would sit and it was open and you'd see see the girls walking up on the street. You yell at them, you talk to them, whatever, and it was a good time. Or you just drink and just enjoy the sunshine and they had the food. It was terrible. I mean, I, I could get away with it. <laughs> That's the one thing I miss about fighting, man. I could eat anything. I mean, like, <laughs> right? and, and, and have trouble and have trouble keeping weight on, right? Yeah, we're not even talking about gaining weight. I couldn't, I couldn't stay above two twenty five for the life of me, uh, <laughs> if I wasn't like throwing trash down my throat. Right. But uh, yeah. So so th- that was that was a thing. And then and this is this is probably what like most people would consider kind of normal, right? Well, even, even not good. And then I started drinking by myself. I started drinking myself. To sleep. I started drinking as, as, a, as a crutch hmm. um, to deal with any type of social anxiety I would feel. And, and I hate calling it social anxiety because it's not like I'm like, oh, let's not go social. because I'm excited to go drink. Right. Yeah, but, of course. But but I don't want to have conversation. I just want to drink. Right or I want to get your know, drink as fast as I can, as much as I can. And there's no control. And then that usually leads to making a fool of myself in the social situation. Um, I'm, I'm always grateful. Uh, and, and the dedication of my book says, you know, this is for pe- for all the people who didn't give up on me, especially uh, when they should have. And because I, I think about it, you know, some of my friends w- would have been well within their rights to be like, you know, you, you're a habitual line stepper. Like, yeah. it's time for to, this, this is it. My bad peace out though and but none of them did that None of my good friends anyhow and I was I'm real grateful for that but that's how it goes man like, I, I didn't wake up one day and I'm like wondering how I got where I got and I know I drove my car there like it didn't it didn't start that way yeah uh it, it ends up that way because you start feeling like you know you in many ways you're chasing a dragon man you're chasing no doubt you're chasing whatever you got the first time you you, you drank whether that was some good feelings with a bunch of people uh, or maybe you 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 met up you you hooked up with a girl and you were like yeah that's the key I got to be drinking having but it's all it's all an illusion man because it's low quality uh, fun and low quality enjoyment mm. and it comes at a tremendous cost and you won't pay that cost eventually right definitely um, yeah there's nothing it, it, for you
0: that's for sure and
1: and it's and it's really a matter I I I say you know you can you can get in front of a problem and get a discount on it. Or you can try and run from it, and you're going to pay a tax. But no matter what, you're going to have to deal with it. And for me, I'm really... I count my lucky stars, man, because my um my moment of when i decided to finally put it down for good because i had tried before because you know there was the there was the moment i stopped drinking you know december yeah. 23rd my full first one. and then there was a period two years beforehand where i was like man maybe i think i got a problem man let me let me talk to some people about this and then and then cycling through different like oh i'm gonna try this and try and go sober for 30 days trying and stop drinking yeah. 40 right and and not be able to keep through it uh, not be able to keep with it or or, or keep with it and then feel like yeah and then go celebrate but interestingly enough uh the he has been, been around now for nine years right uh our first date uh happened to be one of those 30-day periods and i'm really happy for that Yeah, <laughs> like really Absolutely. happy in, in fact um she has not ever seen me intoxicated, which is uh, which is a really interesting like, like it's one of those things that like you you get to walk around with this kind of proud badge on it because that, that strain has never been on the relationship. I always yeah. and one of the things I said when I got sober, I said, you know what? If I, I, when I've pissed people off, I want them to be pissed off and me, not because I was under the influence because I can't do anything about that. Except, you know, kind of admit I got an issue, with, but it still affects the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but this way is all good. But um, the, the, the that aside, I, I decided um, It was one night I, I come back from the from the army. And this is kind of really what started it uh, when I went away for basic training, because I enlisted when I was late. When I was older, I enlisted at uh, I think I was 27 or 28 one or the other somewhere there. Mm-hmm. I enlisted. And when you go to basic training, you don't drink. All right. So it's ten weeks, nothing, and a lot of silence to myself. Right, and I start reflecting on things, and, and at this point, I'm still like, man, I can't wait to get out here and get a beer, man. I'm like, like, like I was like asking about it, like, when are we allowed to have a drink? Like, oh, okay, <laughs> we go to AIT, I get the AIT, right, a, which is the Advanced Individual Training for your MOS in the military. For anybody who doesn't know all those those are army acronyms, so I do my my my, my um. A I T over Fort Lee, Virginia, and um, you still can't drink. You know they don't serve alcohol on base, man. That's crazy, right? <laughs> uh, when you, but when you go off base, you can. But 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 it's still in A I T. You got to get like passes and permission to go off base. So I actually don't have a drink at all A I T except one time. We uh, me and some guys, we we went out and we saw a bad grandpa, and we went to the liquor store though, and we bought some bottles to pour in the the cokes in the theater, right? It's crazy, right? That's how serious we we was about it. Uh, And I came back, and that was the extent of it. But I thought about it, and then and then when I get out for good, I come back uh, when I get out for my training for good. I come back home is in the end of December. I go out partying one night, and, and I wake up. Uh, at my boy's house, I don't really remember how I got there, but I know I drove my car. And I'm like, okay, let's think about this. And then now I'm now I'm having the moment. I did, I dodged a bullet again. That's how I feel. I feel like I got yeah. lucky dodged a bullet. Um, and I and I start thinking. I go, okay, I get now I'm subject to the uniform code of military justice. If anything goes wrong, my professional career is just getting started as a boxer. I'm reading. The reason I enlisted is so I can go back to school. So I said I'm gonna enroll in, enroll, in school now, and and I just met this wonderful, this wonderful young woman who who like she came down to see me. She came to see me graduate at Basic Training, and she came to see me at um the Thanksgiving down in uh, Fort Fort Lee, Virginia. And so I said, wow, okay, it looks like there might be something really really solid here, and. And what can mess that up is my relationship with alcohol. So I thought and thought. I just looked and I said, you know what, this is it. I texted my friends. I said, look. I texted them after my first AA meeting. I said, said, look, man, uh, I if. If you guys don't want to like kick it or hang out, I understand, but I'm just letting you know, man, I got an issue and I'm getting help with it. I'm getting control of it. And fortunately, they were all very supportive, Uh, but you know, it's one of those things you're afraid of. You're going to lose your friends. But, but I consider that uh, a lot of times I think about that when I was saying, you know, if you get in front of a problem, you get a discount. Mm. I had waited until something bad happened, like legally, you pay a tax. Because, because you know, two years later, we we were driving up. Uh, Meet me and the girl. We were driving up to. Um, uh, we we drove to Quebec City, which is two hours north of Montreal, and we drove from Pittsburgh to Montreal, wow. which is which is not a short drive. No, right? that's a cruise. That's a that, is, that was about. We drove twelve hours, and I remember it because I did all the driving, and I remember it, it was easy though because a uh, serial had just come out, the serial podcast, and it had just finished. I listened to the whole thing and it was fascinating, man. I was like, wow, this is great. Yeah. I didn't need anything else. And I was I'm hooked. But um, but when you cross, we crossed over the border in New York, show passport, it was all good. I remember thinking, man, if I had got a DUI, this trip would not be possible. And then she'd have to live with explaining to all these people that like, you know, he's got this DUR or whatever. So uh, there was that that was the, the issue. And then the other thing, man, like, like the friends that I had kind of pushed a little bit uh, and who would have been within their rights to be like, we not we not messing with you anymore. They you know, no one takes you seriously the first week. Right. Because after hard drinking, everybody goes, I'm never drinking again. Yes. They, they they take you seriously the first year though. And after that, they're a lot more willing to look past and forgive your behavior because it showed because because you got in front of before for like the law had to. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I went and apologized to every, like when I was writing my book, I apologized to a lot of people because I was remembering a lot of stuff and, and a lot of people had told me they had already kind of forgiven me. It wasn't a big deal because they recognized that it was the alcohol. And because my behavior changed afterwards, uh, that's easy to see and they can like, 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 this is I tell everybody, uh, if you get in front of the problem and you just go. And, and you fix it. You know, you can't just you know just yeah just apologize and do it again and do yeah. It, it can't again. be fake. It's got to be real. Like
0: uh, you earn, you earn the forgiveness. You you
1: have to earn forgiveness. You just right. do. It, exactly. I, and I say, look, no matter how badly you messed up, if you didn't do something like super, like like truly heinous, like like rape somebody, or like right, or. Uh, <laughs> Or like do something irrevocable, like kill somebody, uh, then people will generally forgive you and work with as long as it shows that you have changed and you're like legit, like, like you know, like now no one can question you know how you know I said I'm gonna be eight years this December and like, okay, right? Like not drinking, like like it's a real life thing, I'm real serious, and I was serious about everything I was trying to do. Yeah. And So so the approach is different that way.
0: Well, for, I love that because I, I think that you, in order to recover or to do anything well, there takes discipline and it takes effort. It takes you, 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 you have to sacrifice. And, I, and so I say that because people listening and, and I'm making a point that a lot of people listen to the show who are still in active addiction, because they're still drinking and, and doing drugs and doing whatever. And to them, I say, you can do it. You can do it. You have to choose to do it. There is no magic bullet. An A meeting won't do it. It's you who does yep. it. You have to do it. And then when you do do that, when you put that shit down, you stay committed and you don't tell people you're committed. You just are committed. The less flashy you are about your recovery, I think the better you're going to be. Meaning that you can't tout, like you said, uh, Hey, I'm a weekend. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody's paying attention. In fact, they're probably mad at you that either you're not partying with them or they're mad at you because of some shit you didn't. Yep. Up.
1: They're still, man. you yeah, yeah. do it. Exactly.
0: And then so like you have, first of all, I want to point out the magic of your Instagram page uh, to anyone out there. Um, if it's a, it's a combination, of, I'm guessing of Twitter. And your tweets embedded into some really cool images on Instagram, man. But I'm going to read a couple because it fits in perfectly with this. Do you mind if I read a couple? Oh,
1: yeah. No problem, man.
0: So one of them uh, I saw today, the common denominator in all of your problems is you. Amazing, dude. Uh, I love this one, too. How easily someone is offended is in direct
1: proportion
0: (laughs) to how stupid they are. I love it. And and then there's one and it's at first it took it, it threw me because there was a clown image in the background but there's a point to the clown image mm. if you don't occasionally think of your old behavior and cringe did you really even grow and i i i picked those three intentionally because i think they fit perfectly into the process of recovery and the process of self improvement yep. even if you're not in recovery like the, you you have to i look back on shit that i did years ago and think what the what hell was i thinking man oh my
1: god
0: and so first of all do, do you all of your quotes are
1: original i can yeah i i, I mean I, I take that shit so seriously like yeah you know i, I don't care if someone rips me off; I mean it's gonna happen because I, I think you know I, I forget better stuff than most people come up with right <laughs> But like everything that I write, that that I put on my page. If there is not a quote around the quotes around it, that that's me. I wrote it. And if I took somebody's stuff, I put quotes around it. And and what I do is I'll credit them if I can credit them. And if I can't, I just put quotes around it. Uh, Like if if it's somebody I see on like Facebook, who's not. Because look, man, um, because I've, I've built up so much credibility as, as a writer and, a, and I guess and I hate the, this word but whatever it's the best one we have a thought leader right uh, that, yeah you've earned that all day that like all it takes is one piece and then and then people start digging at everything else and maybe somebody I had somebody you know you're never gonna believe this This is crazy this is how much people rip shit off right <laughs> Uh, in 2018, I accidentally deleted all of my tweets, right? Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I had like two weeks beforehand just downloaded my archive. So I lost like two weeks of stuff.
0: Right.
1: So I was just, you know, putting it. So whenever I didn't have any idea or something, I just put some out from the archive. Mm-hmm. I had somebody write me and say, or and they actually to put me on blast on, on Twitter. And I'm like, hey, what's the uh to deal with this man, you you just copy my stuff. Now, fortunately, that tweet I just happened to use in a course, so I had the actual tweet and the date stamp on it. Oh man, yeah. So I said, Nah, man, you copied me and sent this over. (laughs) And and he was like, Man, I just I guess I just forgot. I was like, No, you didn't forget, motherfucker. Like, like what you you forgot that you copied and stole it. You thought you convinced yourself. That these words were your words, and that's insane to me. It, it that, is. This, that people will do this, and so so, and and now you know, I just kind of charge the game. But 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 it's the same way. Like I got a tweet about a crackhead, right? Uh, this this gone pretty. This gotten pretty popular, and and every now and then, uh, someone will accuse me of having ripped it off. And I got go to go because it's one of those tweets that got deleted. But when I reposted it, it went just as popular because like, it's a good tweet. Uh, yes. But I have to go get the original and show like, no, no, no. Because yes. people are like printing it out and, and and sending me sending me images of where they tacked it up on their workboard or something. One girl sent me an image where her brother sent it to were framed. So I had to like go and get this. I'm like, no, no, no. This is, <laughs> I did this first and everyone else. Uh, ripped it off and, and that, yeah. that's kind of the world of, of digital content yeah really? unfortunately but, but that's but, but you know what that's okay because because at the end of the day uh, I don't really worry about that because right because it's me right like like you can't copy it. like no matter what you put out you're not going to suddenly get 161,000 followers like that's not how it works Right. that's exactly
0: right. like you can't, you can't fake it and that, and that's the part and i i always say because personally i i don't like social media i get annoyed with it because i think people hide behind their keyboard and try yep. to become something they're not or they're they try to be tougher than that whatever it might be they, they push their opinions because it's safe right there's no no one's in front of them maybe not I'm not saying getting violent but at least maybe being politely confrontational it's you can be a dick on social media and then show people how tough you are look at this tweet i sent doesn't mean anything so I don't like it, but what I do like social media for is I get introduced to wonderful people like you and all of my guests in the recovery community. And I'm a big fan of learning the Italian language. So I can, I find my tracks and I follow them and I cut out the noise. I don't watch the news very much because it's it be good. Honest. That'll keep, Yeah. That'll keep me healthy. Yeah. And I, I, I read the news so that I'm current. I don't watch the news because I don't need to hear you know people just para- like just yapping about the news i don't care about <laughs> and i think the news has become very much like those crazy insane football analysts who say something like the key to winning this game is to score more points well no shit <laughs> You know, or yeah. something that the defense failed because they let them score three touchdowns. Like we what know that. This? Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And
0: I think that the media has largely become talking heads in that regard, where they're not seeing anything of, of what I'll call meaningful output. And to yeah. that end, uh, I have to read one more of your wonderful uh, quotes because I, I, I think this one embodies the the courage it takes to live a good life if Mm -hmm. you don't mind and it's oh yeah
1: no problem man
0: a hundred years after you die there will be no one left who directly remembers you don't let their opinion stop you from living now that gives me the chills when i think about it because so many people are afraid to take the step to you to live to to maybe even go and not be a conformist you don't always have to agree with people you don't have to be a dick but you don't have to agree. You can do your own thing politely. You can be yourself and be proud of it. I am a fantasy geek. I read a ton of like Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and I'm very proud of that stuff. And I can do that and be uh, in love with boxing and in recovery. Yep. And and I say that, and what I what I love about this quote is it really is your choice to live your very best life. And no one but you can stop you. And as soon as you get that out of your way, like you did with recovery, with your writing, the fact that you are a ranked chess player uh, and all these great things, dude. I, I love what you are doing. I love your Twitter page, your your your, uh, your tweets and Instagram. I love how we got connected. And I love that you're fucking real, dude. I dig that because it's rare to meet people who are intelligently real. Like your quotes are spectacular.
1: I'm oh, impressed. Thanks. And you know, all I'm doing is like, Take him on perspectives and experiences and, and I try to put out things that are helpful or useful. Right. Or give peer, make people laugh or whatever. Because the way I look at social media, I look at this like a gift. Um, where this gift came from, who knows, right? Right. Um, but but it's like it's like a gift. I, I look at it a lot. If you the, the two movies always reference when I talk about Twitter. Or a contact and arrival. It's like the aliens gave us this, and we got to see if we what well, we can do with it. Right. And if, and if we kill each other with it, <laughs> we're gonna, just want to take it away and let yeah. us. Um. But I take my responsibility on here very seriously because I'm, I'm lucky to, you know, combination of who I am and what I went through and how I write in my mind for doing that has given me an audience and a platform. Now, I could I could totally wreck that audience and I, or I could yeah. use it or do something else with it. I have to explain this to a friend of mine all the time where it's like, he's like, you have such a big audience. Why don't you ever talk about your political views? I'm like, because I have such a big audience. <laughs> like, like if, if, if I'm incorrect, imagine yeah. the damage I could do just because I feel like I'm right doesn't mean I'm necessarily right. Uh, so I don't that's, I don't yeah. do that. Instead I try to do things and put things out that can you know have a people i I have oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sense of humor on this thing. You know, you gotta have fun. Yeah. Or or like or put out something valuable that people can use and, and helps them think and helps them get through stuff. Um that's the best way to use, or at least in my opinion, the best way to use this because because the last thing I want to be is wrong with with such a huge platform. And no one has that kind of like A big pet peeve of mine is abuse of power in general, right? So I try to think about the responsibility that comes with having this power. And this is power. Like, I mean, and it's real power. Like, like I can, you know, if I wake up tomorrow and decide I need to like buy some five grand. I know exactly how to generate that five grand from the internet, not from my my, my my um my bank account, but to go put some out and boom, it'll be there within forty eight hours, generally speaking. Because I understand that this, this reach and this outreach, that's power. So I don't want to like yeah disrespect yeah. it.
0: I, I agree. I, I, I think that there's an art and a science to sharing your opinion and doing it well. Like it's not about pounding the desk harder than the guy next to you or the girl next to you. It's about doing it with purpose and intent to do better. Um, I think if you share an opinion in a positive way, that's a wonderful thing. If you do yeah. it, if you do it to belittle someone or because I'm not on the same side of the political aisle as you, then that's ridiculous. Like it, 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 you remit, then that's misses the point. Um, which I, I do have one final question, um, if you don't mind. I'm curious no what problem. you think of uh, the boxing has always been at the professional level, I think, a bit of a spectacle, right? And it's because they have to charge for tickets and they create the, the drama around it, like the rumble in the jungle and all those great things. And I'm not talking <clears throat> about that. What I am talking about, though, is the two twin Insta- or the, the YouTube <laughs> guys who are getting fights with the best fighters in the world without the qualifications or the right to do so to get in the ring with a Floyd Mayweather is, I don't think people understand the magnitude of that. If you have earned that fight, you've been a fighter for 20 years, 15 years. And to get in the ring, to even have a hope of doing well against a Floyd Mayweather or someone else at that caliber. And there's very few, I I'm torn because it's, the spectacle of boxing is one part of it. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm saying that they have to draw tickets and they have to pay the banks and the purses. And I get all that, but I think that I love the grace of boxing. And maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm naive. I, I don't care for what they're doing with that stuff because I feel like it degrades the art that these, these fighters have earned the right to become. That's what bothers me.
1: Okay. So I'll give you my, my opinion on it. I thought I mean, I'm not not long and hard, but I guess I've, I've thought about it. Uh, generally speaking, overall, I think what they're doing is a very good thing for the sport. Uh, really? And when I say good for the sport, I mean good for the fighters, not necessarily uh, the management or promotion, because here's what, they're, what they've done. They, uh-huh. They've demonstrated that boxing can be decentralized. They've come in i see that yeah and right. they right. went and created trip what is it thriller or something like that right yeah uh yeah and and in doing so what they've done is something that the boxing world has generally been reluctant to do which is embrace change and empower the fighters yeah the independence and, and, and really the it's more empower the fighters that they don't want to do Right. But what he's shown is something some of the smaller local promoters have done on a smaller level. They just don't have a name like Jake Paul with them is with is is they started streaming their fights online, right? So people can see them. The problem is most of you guys who fight on a card is going to do that. Uh, They don't, Either the promoter doesn't have the the know-how to do it. Most people don't care about the fight or whatever. Like, like I could probably go, if I decide I wanted to fight, I could probably go uh, to a promoter and say, I'll do this. If you stream and fight, we'll sell these tickets for $25 a piece. I'll let you take 20% I'll take the rest and he'll look at me and most people go, you're crazy 20% because you're your listening the other way around, but I'll go, there's not a single person. The rest of your car can bond won't make half of this. If I sell to 1% of my audience, because that's how, how big it, my audience is. Okay. Yeah. So what, what they're doing, you know, is, is showing the fighters and showing the world really you ain't got to go through the, through the top ranks, the golden boys, the Dizones, the, you know, all all those, the Goss and tutors, you don't have to go through all those, those mainstream promoters. There's a way to do this uh, where you don't get screwed royally, by the money made because people don't understand fighters don't make any money. And it's not even, it's not even a necessity, uh, it's not even because the promoter is greedy. It's just like you got an arena that holds, we'll say, five hundred people, on a, and that's a good place. I, I don't think I've ever actually been to a local show that right. can hold five hundred people. Uh, and let's pretend on average each of them pay fifty bucks to make the math right. So right. you got two hundred and fifty. You got twenty five thousand dollars you made on that show. Uh, you got six fighters on that show. Uh, but you also have the insurance. You gotta pay the reps. You gotta pay the ambulance. You gotta pay the cover charges to be in there. You gotta pay for the yeah. concessions. Probably gotta pay for security. Like, it's not a profitable biz. And what they're showing us, okay, we can do this profitably. And we can do yeah. it differently. Showtime, look, man. When I follow Showtime, Showtime, motherfuckers, man. Look, they uh, they knocked down what I what they were gonna pay me because because it wasn't the level of fight because they gave they had two. Co would not come in events for like undercards. And I was supposed to get a certain amount for the undercard, but but they changed that. If that was a streaming show where we didn't have to deal with a big network and we could just do it directly, there would be not no knockdown because everybody would be coming in and paying and being on the show. Right. Uh, you know, it really is just a matter. I'm surprised. No, it took someone so long to do it.
0: I didn't think of it that way, but you are. I'm grateful that I asked the question because <laughs> what you've enlightened me. I didn't think about that. How it empowers the fighters to take control of their own destiny from a financial perspective. I have one. I lied at one more question. Oh, got one answer. Share. Yeah, <laughs> I, I. I watched. I didn't watch, but I watched um, the uh, after the fight was over, and I, my, I was heartbroken to see Holyfield Delfort.
1: Uh, oh man,
0: to see a champion like Evander. Uh, lose like that broke my heart, man, because I think he, for me is one of my favorite fighters because I think he's well-centered. He's a great boxer. He's a great fighter. He's got a tough chin. He's come yeah. up the ranks. He's done it. I think if, if, if you have to look at a shining example of, a, of first of all, who's got raw talent, I mean, the guy is just a specimen it's just unbelievable. And, and I think he's a graceful, wonderful man. I've never met, uh, the champ, but to see him. I, him, like I met that, him,
1: uh, twice. Uh, the the really? program I was in out in uh, l a was he Where, is he was, as
0: amazing as I think yeah he he's would a be. cool
1: guy his balance has shot the shit but like uh he's a cool guy <laughs> and that and that was eight years well wow ten years ago at this point that I met him so so you knew going into that fight with Bell for was oh, I wasn't it. a chance man that Damn. was hey you know what's crazy about it? so like I like I don't I don't know any of the details of those financials. I can't guess. Yeah. But but what I do know is that is that I think every fighter thinks that they can go do it always because they're fighters. Because yeah, right? they're fighters. Right? I mean I get that. And and it's a real hard thing to accept that you just not there anymore, especially when you just watch two guys in your age range and your era just go at it. Uh, Roy well, Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson, and Tyson but that, yeah. that was a very different battle, uh, for lots of reasons. But Belfort, as I understand it, isn't even like technically retired, like that right, that is still out there. Yeah, he's an active fighter, yeah,
0: he's an active fighter, and, and
1: he hasn't you know, been a, yeah. Um, if no, I, I thought that was a really, I mean, but, but with that said, man, he a grown man, he he decided he was going to do that. Yeah
0: his people
1: people couldn't and and none of his people talk could talk him out of it we don't even know if they tried or not but if they they could or couldn't yeah you know i i really like what they did with the tyson roy jones thing because they took like they looked at this and said okay we need to make sure that this ain't crazy and tyson actually has this great quote i shared um Where he's talking, he goes, "Man, Evander fucked it up for everybody because because now I gotta go fight Lennox Lewis, man. I'd have fought with Tyson." And what we say? He goes, "He goes, I would have fought Holyfield, but I wouldn't have fucked him up. I'd have let him last for eight, for eight rounds."
0: <laughs> oh man! Or, but yeah, but, that's
1: but, but because because it's crazy because you know you see that and then everybody and then after that what was happening after that? uh I think Dale Hoya was talking about he was gonna come back and well, do a De, La Hoya, fight. De La Hoya couldn't he was
0: supposed to fight and he in and, and he didn't because he medically something had happened, but Anderson Silva got in the ring in am I is this the right card? Because De La Hoya, I think De La Hoya was supposed to fight Belfort originally, stepped out and then Holyfield stepped in last minute, and then Anderson Silva fought um
1: I can't remember his name. I, uh, yeah, Tito Ortiz. Yeah,
0: and then uh, so I, listen, I'm I'm grateful that they have the opportunity at their age, and I mean their age. Yeah, plainly, but one, and
1: once again, right? Because and this is all because we we can take and decentralize things and pull pull guys together. But but man, that is, I I think that. That's a hard way to remember that that's how and then remember yeah. uh I think you're a bit older than me, but I'm a bit older than the typical person that was watching a trill event for 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 Paul, and that's a rough way for people to come back and remember hollyfield, yeah. Like like yeah. with the with the Tyson Roy Jones thing, there was a lot of people that weren't even familiar with Roy Jones. Believe it or not, I'm saying how is like not even how possible? That possible, right? <laughs> oh, they knew who Mike Tyson was because yeah. shit like like The Hangover, right? Yeah. But Roy just kind of. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, that so so that's that's rough, man. But but I'm happy he got his money and you know. Yeah, and, no, I I I couldn't and got agree it, with and, that. and and that hopefully dissuades him from thinking he still got it.
0: Do you think that? Jake Paul with all his pressure, I, I don't, I don't see him convincing um, Saul to get in there with him. I, I think going to. no, but
1: gonna... um, because he's got because realistically, let's look at this first. Canelo Alvarez is probably one of the few guys more popular than Jake Paul, right? And, <laughs> and this is really significant. This yeah, is, this is significant because that means. That you can't put the pressure on him for a payday,
0: right? He doesn't care. He he is the payday. Like yeah,
1: he's the payday, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um Secondly, he ain't hundred and forty something pounds. He'll, he'll he, he they don't want that fight. That they, they might they, they might just be talking about that fight, but they don't want that fight because Canelo will put him in the hospital. Like yeah, they, oh, if oh, that shit. that will be the end of Paul boxing <laughs> if the refs don't step in. <laughs>
0: Could you imagine the shattered ribs Jake Paul would have after like, a couple uh, of body shots from Canelo?
1: Right. He, you know, this guy's Mexican, man. He don't give a shit, man. Them, them guys turn them <laughs> pro when they're like 14. Like, they're, they're not. <laughs> that, that fight's not happening. He, he, he'll do all the pressure. Maybe, maybe if Jake Paul's still doing his thing when, when Canelo finally starts getting worse and doesn't yeah. want to run. The, right. But well, because that, that's, that's just not. You know, you know what's crazy? Like, I, I've rewatched that fight between Alvarez and Golovkin, both of them. And initially when I watched them, I I actually thought Triple G won the first one. I didn't think it was a draw. And I I thought the second one was a draw. But uh, once once I I saw that clip of what Canelo does on punches, I'm like, Golovkin really wasn't hitting him. That's crazy. And and and, and it's so like it's one of those things. But he had to fight that way because of the way Triple G fights. Uh, He had to roll those punches. And and it's still that's just that's awesome, man. His ability, but he's not getting in there. What an amateur! I mean, there, there there's like yeah, he'd kill people. Like he would literally. There'd be a that'd be like that'd be like Ray Lewis playing on the high school team <laughs> on defense. <laughs> right.
0: That's like, a perfect way to put it. Yeah, that's that not
1: even gonna be like a real, like, with their level of strength ability. No, no, he, he killed he, you. Know, your running backs would be dead. Yeah, so, so do you still, um, <laughs> and then
0: just in closing, do you still, uh, the, once a fighter, always a fighter. Do you still work out, hit the bag, train? And everything? Oh man!
1: Not only do I still work out and train, man. Well, you know, I was I was part of the camp for the Roy Jones fight, and and I was. Oh my work. gosh! Really? That's amazing. Yeah, you can see the pictures on my IG, man. I was um, I was in there for that because my coach is Roy's coach, so yeah, asked if I'd be. But I would, my coach calls me up and was like, "Yo." what are you doing? I'm like, well, Tom, man, you only call me when you want something. It's not a bad thing. We yeah. just don't, he doesn't he he call me to just chat. I'm just like, what's up, man? He's like, well, you know, did you see this uh, this Mike Tyson, Roy Jones fight, it looks like it's going to happen. Let's see if I can train Roy for it. But if I tell him that, you know, are you can be able to give him some sparring because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little taller than Tyson, but the way I was trained to fight, I'm not that much taller. We we trained to, to deal with opponents being three to four inches tall because I'm a short uh I'm a short um short heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I said, Yeah, man, whatever. I'm I'm in. It's no problem. Uh, and that, so I was, did that, and then he had another guy, he was getting ready. Uh he's not gonna do it now, but he had a guy who was a former NFL defensive end, get ready, and then you know, I I've I've been in the ring with some athletic dudes that was that was not I mean, I, it, was, it was fun because it was a fight, but it wasn't fun like as a human getting beat and punched. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. So, so no, I stay, I stay in shape and stay good. I mean, like, I, I have though more or less completely abandoned any idea of ever getting in a ring uh as a professional at a at, an, at, an, at a sanctioned event right. uh, ever ever again. I'm I just like, I just don't want it bad enough, man. My life is good. I don't want to train right. I'm, I'm working off the stuff. Can you cause you can't half step boxing and I tried like when I was fighting pro, I was in school and doing the army at the same time. That ain't I would if I could go back and do one thing over, I would have dedicated myself entirely uh, to boxing and done nothing but but right. you know it is what it is it, because ultimately my life is the way it is because i didn't do that i love it well and Ed, it's
0: edward it's been so wonderful to have you on the show man and it has been my honor thank you for helping make the dismantled life podcast great i appreciate it
1: ain't no problem man i really appreciate you having me on today
0: my pleasure